Hello and welcome back to the College Baseball Central podcast. I'm your host Joe Healy, publisher and editor of collegebaseballcentral.com. Today we're going to be joined by Brett McCormick of the Herald in Rock Hill, South Carolina. We're going to talk Winthrop baseball. Winthrop's uh, 2018 season 25-31, and 31, a fourth place finish in the Big South Conference. So Brett and I will look back on the season that was, uh, talk about where that finish kind of fell uh, in terms of uh, in relative to expectations heading into the season, we'll talk about some of the players they lost after the season, most notably a, a very productive player in Mitch Spires. We'll talk about him specifically. And we'll also look ahead to the 2019 season, talk about uh, where head coach Tom Regino should be most confident heading into the season. He's got uh, maybe some more depth there, uh, help them withstand some injuries they may face along the way. Also have a couple of uh, really quality pitchers at the front of the rotation. Uh, so there should be some confidence there as well, I would expect, but we'll talk to Brett about that as well. A lot of stuff to get to. Let's jump right in. All right, as promised, we are joined by Brett McCormick of the Herald in Rock Hill, South Carolina, to talk some Winthrop baseball. Uh, last year, Winthrop 25-31 and 31 overall, finished in fourth place in the Big South. So we'll talk to Brett a little bit about where that result fell in the uh, in the realm of expectations they had coming into the season for 2018. We'll talk about that. We'll look ahead a little bit to 2019, talk about some possible breakout candidates while also talking about some of the holes they have to fill. Uh, one of the most notable a player, Mitch Spires, who's been a really productive player at Winthrop for the last several seasons. So, um, of course, we will wrap with our local food recommendations. So looking forward to that, as always. A lot of stuff to get into with Brett. Uh, Brett, I appreciate you joining us today. No problem. Absolutely no problem. So I guess the obvious place to start is, Brett, how'd you get a possum in your house? <laughs> oh, my dog loves uh, dead animals. Like right now is a big problem for us. Like when I take her on a walk because she will rummage through these piles of leaves that'll be like on the side of the road and then yeah. she'll, you know, emerge with the dead squirrel that's been there for, you know, since fall started. And so... She loves dead animals, and so possums obviously see her and just pretend to be dead. She has brought them to uh, our back like patio before, uh, but they stayed outside, and you know we were able to shoo her away and then kind of like get her inside and then come back 10 minutes later, and the possum's gone. Well, uh, it was pouring rain, and she hates the rain, so I was being courteous to her and left the door cracked you know, to make sure she would go out and go to the bathroom, but, but just left the door open so she could come back. And I went to the bathroom and came back, and there she was uh, lording over this possum on our rug. <laughs> and uh, So I got the laundry basket and covered the possum, and then we called uh, the uh, uh, animal control people. And for Mecklenburg County, which probably has two million people in it, there were uh, two animal control people working that night. So that took them about an hour and 45 minutes to get to our house. Um, took me about an hour and 35 minutes to get the courage up to get it out myself. So <laughs> the job was, the job was done by the time they got there. So, so they did show up after, after a while, they, they showed up and you they had did. to explain to them that, yeah, they, <laughs> that their trip was all for naught. Yeah. yeah. And she was, she was like, not even surprised when I said that. I think it was like the second or third person that had, you know, just figured they needed to handle it by the time she had gotten there. So she just sort of laughed. <laughs> so the, the so the possum continued, I assume, continued to play dead that allowed you to cover it. It wasn't like a wild goose chase around your house trying to cover the possum. No. With, okay. Okay. <laughs> no. So, and so, but once the basket was on it, then it, then it was up and, and like moving around a little bit, not, not a lot, but a little, you know, I was going to try to like move the basket out and it like dug its heels into our rug. So I, I couldn't, I couldn't do that. So eventually I just, um, and if anybody, were, I don't know how you would search for it, but I tweeted a video of it. I mean, if you if you find yourself in this situation, I mean, it's a decent how-to video of 
probably not to do it, but you know, it'll give you an idea. Yeah, that's <laughs> of, a, of one way that that was successful. For, yeah, for those who are unaware, why or wondering why I led with such a seemingly random question, I, I came across on Twitter uh, several weeks ago. Brett tweeted that he that he had a possum in his house, and then followed up with a video of him uh, successfully getting the possum out of his house, which I was I was impressed with. I, I was your your uh, <laughs> your gusto there for getting it out of the house. I probably would have just. I mean, if that possum had to sit under there for for hours, that's probably the way it would have gone because I don't know that I would have had the guts to to open that thing up and, and just cross my fingers that it knew which way to run. So, um, right, right. so yeah, pretty, pretty impressive on your part, but yeah, kind of a fun video. So go back on, on, on Brett's uh, Twitter account at Brett, just one T, um, and, and check that out. Kind of a, yeah, a, a interesting how to, if you ever in a situation like that where you, uh, <laughs> where you get a possum and you got to hope it's a possum and not a squirrel or else you might have like a Christmas vacation situation yeah. on your hands, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, so let's get to some baseball. Uh, like I mentioned up top, uh, Winthrop 25 and 31 overall, a, a fourth place finish in the Big South. And I, I seem to remember when you and I talked about this time last year, there was kind of some cautious optimism. Winthrop was coming off of a, a solid year in 2017. So there was maybe some optimism about 2018 being a similar story um, in terms of success. So where was the 2018 results kind of in the realm of, of expectation for the team coming into 2018? I would say it was a little disappointing. They they kind of got undone by injuries at the end of the year, and you know that uh, the, the the Big South Conference with especially now with Liberty gone, but you know you had lost uh, Coastal Carolina a few seasons ago. It it it's so even. You know, there's so much parity that really uh, it, it kind of can come down to to which team stays healthy because they all have you know pretty solid Friday Saturday starters. They all have. You know, a couple of ba- uh, a couple of bats in the lineup that are you know really good, maybe all conference worthy, and you know you lose one or two of those and and really set you back. So I I you know I I remember that we had uh, felt like they could have a really good season, and you know I think fourth and and then you know not a not a great showing in the tournament. I I think was you know probably a bit of a disappointment for them for sure. So you mentioned that you know, injuries kind of undid them as, as the season went along, but when things were going well, uh, who was, would you say was the biggest catalyst, whether that was an offensive player or someone on the mound? Well, they had good pitching and, and that's kind of been a trend for them, but definitely Mitch Spires, uh, was a big player for them. I mean, played in all 50, started and played in all 56 games, uh, hit 321, eight home runs, uh, knocked in 34. And, you know, he, he really, uh, really was the the guy offensively for them, you know, like a really good athlete at shortstop and, uh, you know, got drafted by the angels and, um, you know, good leader, like, and just basically the, it would be easy to characterize him as the team's best player. And, and I think that he was, uh, he had a, a year that probably delivered on what I think most people would have expected from him. Yeah. His departure was one that, uh, you know, one that stands out among, among the holes left on the team. Um, you know, what about his approach or just him as a player, do you think, uh, made it to where he was such a productive player throughout his career? Because 2018 was not an aberration or a breakout year. I mean, this just kind of was who Mitch Spires was at Winthrop. Yeah, he hit even better the year before. Uh, just extremely athletic, uh, good skill set. Um, you know, the, the, I mean, I think Coach Tom Reginos would say that they may be a little better defensively this coming season, um, but they certainly will have a drop off in in offense. You know, Mitch, Mitch, um, you know, was a pretty 
pretty good defender. Um, not a, not, you know, like a gold glover or anything, but, um, very athletic and, and, uh, offensively, you know, easily the team's best player last year. I think, I think that's where they're going to, um, struggle to replace that production in that spot. They got, um, two guys that are, uh, duking it out to start it short. One of them is, uh, uh, Jake Sullivan who started at third, a bunch of games last year. And then another guy, Tyler Baker. Um, and that's really something that, you know, when I talked to, uh, Regino's, recently um every position <laughs> he mentioned like three guys and so i think that's going to be a big thing for them this coming season they've got a pretty experienced team and a lot of depth and uh, just kind of depends on which one of those guys can sort of emerge to try to be similar to spires you know who who i mean i'm looking at the stats 116 total bases which was uh 33 more than anybody else so <laughs> i mean he he was he was their most productive offensive player easily. And so they, they, they've got a lot of candidates of guys that could like contribute, but you know, I don't know if this, this, if this year's team will have that kind of obvious guy, like, Oh yeah, he's going to get drafted and he's definitely first team all conference. And you know, he's, he's that level of player. Either just, you know, your thoughts on this or something you gleaned from, from talking to coach Reginos, where would you say he's should be or is most confident in his team heading into the 2019 season? Yeah, he likes the depth. I mean, they got a lot of depth. Um, you know, they they've got six outfielders. I mean, that could legitimately start. You know, Hunter Lipscomb. Uh, he only hit two fifty three last year. He was, it was a lot better um, season before, but uh, he's got he's got potential. He's got he's got some pop. Kale uh, Gibson is one of these JUCO guys that uh, Regina's pointed this out with baseball, but I, I've you know covering a lot of basketball, I've definitely seen this to be the case in basketball too. Is the uh, Juco guy, the junior year, a lot of times is not a not a super productive season, and then and then hopefully that senior year they kind of you know they come around and sort of get the hang of things. Um, and he he thinks that Kale Gibson is a is a Juco guy that you know was you know kind of ho hum last year. He had two fifty six, I mean four home runs, but thinks that this year he can he can really make a leap and sort of be one of those uh, three four five uh, guys in the lineup that can you know, knock in a lot of runs and, and maybe hit a couple of balls out. Um, they got a lot of experience and, um, you know, I think as always their pitching is going to be pretty good. They got, a uh, um, peak who is, uh, Zach peak, who's probably the, you know, the, the, one of the more highly regarded, um, MLB draft prospects for, for pitching in the big South. And then, uh, Nate Pavelczyk, who, uh, uh is two time all conference guy. And, uh, you know, he's got one of the really difficult names in the league to pronounce. So, you know, I just wanted to get his name in there since I've practiced it for a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, interesting, you know, looking at, at Peak and Pavelcek's numbers, uh, it, it, this is just a quirky stat. It means not, it's just coincidental. But it's interesting to me when you look at their numbers, how even they are across the board. Both appeared in 14 games, all of them starts. Peak a 374 ERA, Pavelcek 377. Peak through 89 innings, Pavelcek through 88 in a third innings. They both gave up or 45 runs for Peak, 47 runs given up for Pavelcek, 78 hits given up for Peak, 76 for Pavelcek. Just kind of a strange, like I said, that doesn't mean anything. That's just me being um, kind of strangely uh, en- enchanted by that that little just quirky stat thing there. But yeah, there's certainly a, an area of, uh, where there should be a little confidence there. If you find a third guy to, to pair with those guys, should be a, a pretty good rotation. Um that uh, kind of leads me to my next thing, which is where do you seek any breakout stars, particularly among 
those guys who were maybe a part of the 2018 team, but you know, just maybe didn't get a lot of run because they were blocked, or maybe they just didn't have the season they wanted to have, that you think might be a bigger part of plans this coming season? That's a good question. I think uh, he's trying to work that out. I mean, I think there's a lot of guys that have opportunities to uh, to get more run, as you said. Um, Lipscomb, I think, is an, is is like a I don't know how you would call this like a like a re breakout candidate. Um, mm. You know, had a had a really good year the, the season before and, and kind of um, just just as uh, batting average dipped a bit. And uh, you know, I think he wants to get on base more, but he he could be a guy that. Um, you know, he's like a real strong character. Um, I've talked to him before. He's, you know, one of those, one of those guys that went to probably had one of those big, strong strapping country boys. And, um, you know, he's got, I mean, he's, he's really, you know, pretty athletic and move and, and he's got some power. So I think he's one that, uh, that, um, you know, could, could really come through for them again. Uh, Regina said that Alex Rain had had a really good fall. Um, Grant English is another one that, that was, you know, hit, hit the ball pretty well last year. Um, so, you know, and then Sullivan, uh, you know, who played a lot at third base, um, played, uh, started 55 games last year. He only hit 215. Um, but you know, he, he's got a chance, I think to, uh, if he can get that average up, I mean, he, he's obviously going to get, um, a lot of game time. So, um, you know, one, one other thing that I, that I didn't mention earlier, if you're talking about people that they lost, um, would be, uh, pitching coach Clint Chrysler, who got hired by, uh, NC state and, He's really been um, a really, really key part of that program. He's been with Regina's for a long time. Uh, Regina's told me, I didn't know this, Regina's told me that uh, he met Clint when he was recruiting him when Regina's was at Stetson and Clinton was 17 years old. So they've known each other mm. for quite a while. Chrysler was really good, good recruiter. Um, I used to see him at all the um, high school tournaments in our area. You know, really uh, good work ethic. And the guy that replaced him with is named Austin Hill and like 23 or 24 he's pretty fresh out of college so uh, Regina said he, he saw some of the same qualities but you know pretty interesting that he's got a, a an assistant that's so young um you know working with uh what should be a pretty decent pitching group so that'll be kind of maybe maybe Austin Hill the, the new pitching coach has a chance to kind of uh I don't know help you know start to build his own reputation uh with, with these uh winter pitchers so I'll have you uh, kind of look into a crystal ball here a little bit um, at the upcoming season. Not necessarily looking for a, 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 you know, to pin you down on some sort of result, but let's phrase it this way. If, if, if Winthrop in 2019 ends up at or near the top of the Big South standings, if they're competing at uh, the top of the league and they're, they're among the group of teams you expect to maybe make a push to, to get the automatic bid into a regional, what would you assume went right about the season? What, what things do you think have to happen or put the team in that type of position? Yeah, one, I would say they stayed healthy, you know, because when I asked Regina's like, you know, who, who who do you think has a shot this year in the league? You know, he had told me that it was wide open, but he also said that um, Radford was a team that he thought had a chance because last year they really got undone, you know, kind of um, their season spun out because of injuries. And so, you know, again, it's a, it's a league where I don't think there's enough quality to, to overcome that stuff. So I, I would say, um, you know, avoiding major health problems would be, would be helpful. It seems they have the depth maybe to deal with that. But again, you know, like, you know, you don't want to jinx anybody, but if a certain Friday or Saturday starter went down, you know, that would be an issue. So I think staying healthy would be a big deal. And then I think if um, they can get a little more um, pop in their lineup, you know, they, they really ran the bases well last year. I mean, 
led the, you know, were one of the top teams in the league and stolen bases. So, I mean, you know, offensively they were, they were, you know, um, dangerous when they got on, you know, just gotta, gotta make sure you're getting on base. And, uh, you know, I think if, um, Pete can have like a really, really dominant year, you know, like you said, me and Pavelczyk last year were, you know, around 500, um, ERA a little closer to four. I think if they could get that a little closer to three, you know, and have one of them maybe, maybe be like an eight and three guy or something like that, you know, when, when a higher percentage of his starts, I think that would be a good sign. Um, you know, cause, uh, Peak and Pavelczyk, you missed one stat. They uh, both their opposing batting average, uh, opposing batters hit 232 and 230 against them. So there's another one that they were. Yeah, just crazy. Those guys, those guys are really similar. Yeah, and, and so if, if uh, one or both of them, you know, really makes a leap this season, that I, th- I think that would be a very good indicator for winter. So let's wrap up uh, as we always do here with the, the most fun segment we have on the show, and that's our local food recommendations. So I'll give you the introduction I give all the writers, and that's that uh, we're going to take logistics out of the question. So don't worry about, you know, this is a place you have to get to it by a certain time because they only serve food until they run out of food, or they are only open certain hours, or it's really hard to get a table here. Don't worry about any of that. Let's just focus on the food. So should someone be in your area, and it doesn't have to be Rock Hill proper, it can just kind of be in the general area that you cover, uh, where would you recommend someone get a bite to eat should they come through that area? Yeah, I got a suggestion not actually, actually not very far from the um, from Winter Ballpark, which, um, by the way, is, is a pretty cool little stadium, especially for the size school. Um, it's called Legal Remedy Brewing, and, uh, you know, we've gotten the, the brewery, craze is contagious and charlotte had it really bad and it's starting to you know leak over the border uh into rock hill and so we've got legal remedy brewing which uh legal remedy the name comes from the founders who were uh were or are i guess i guess they still are um lawyers and so they've got uh beer the beer is pretty good i like the food though the food the food's really good they've got a um turkey sandwich that um it's like a smoked turkey and I, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't really eat turkey outside of one day of the year, but it, it's actually like extremely good. Um, it's not, uh, healthy really in any way, but, uh, it's got a cool outdoor patio and, and again, it's got beer and, um, right smack in the middle of, uh, the town and a uh, pretty cool place. So, um, hopefully they're listening to this and hook me up next time I'm rolling through there. Yeah, it, it's uh, you mentioned the the brewery craze, and that that certainly has taken hold where I'm at. I live in the basically at the St. Louis metro area, and certainly St. Louis is already uh, a brewery town because of the, the history oh, yeah. of An- Anheuser Busch yeah. and what have you. But but there's also a lot mm-hmm. of little smaller breweries around there, and I find that you know the the, the beer is is one thing, but also just uh, a lot of times their menus are really eclectic, or they're doing interesting things, yeah. or just really good comfort food. And I've been really pleased mm-hmm. with with most of my experiences uh, food wise at at breweries where the, the beer ends up kind of becoming almost, almost secondary. So I certainly, I yeah, certainly yeah. can see that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, just a lot of good experiences there. So certainly I think, uh, legal remedy brewing Rock Hill, South Carolina, our recommendation from Brett McCormick sounds, uh, sounds pretty good to me right about now. So, uh, want to thank our guest Brett McCormick for joining us again today. Again, Brett is with the Herald of Rock Hill, South Carolina. You can check out all of his work and that of his colleagues at heraldonline.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Brett, just one T once again, that's at Brett, just one T Brett. I appreciate you joining us today. Yeah. Have fun. Our thanks once again to Brett McCormick for joining us today. You can find all of his work and that of his colleagues at heraldonline.com. And you can follow him on Twitter at BrettJust1T. Once again, that's at BrettJust1T. 
That'll do it for this edition of the College Baseball Central podcast. Head on over to collegebaseballcentral.com for all of our continuing coverage of the college baseball offseason. Of course, that means more podcasts heading your way as we get ever closer to the start of the 2019 season. We'll also have our fair share of features up on the site. Uh, We are continuing as... uh, this is recorded and as this goes up, uh, continuing our list of the 25 most interesting programs heading into the 2019 season, the five programs at a time. That's our list, not of the top 25 or the best 25, but just the 25 most interesting for one reason or another. Maybe it's because they're poised for a big season. Maybe it's because they have a lot of questions to answer. Maybe it's because they have a, a particular group of players who are ready to break out. So whatever the reason, they're the 25 programs. Uh, that have us most excited uh, for the first pitch of the 2019 season. So check all of that out if you haven't done so already. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe on Sports. That's Joe underscore on underscore sports. You can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and the TuneIn app. And no matter where you listen to our show, first, be sure you're subscribed and do so if you aren't already, but also consider leaving us a rating and review. As we continue to try to grow the show, your positive ratings and reviews are crucial as we try to climb those recommended podcast lists. Finally, you can get in touch with the show via email at collegebaseballcentralpodcast at gmail.com. Once again, that's collegebaseballcentralpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, thanks for listening, everyone.